the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Congratulations, Los Angeles Rams fans. (laughs) How about that game yesterday? How about both of those games in the NFC and AFC Championship games yesterday? They were incredible. And the week before the playoff games for that, unbelievable, weren't they? Hey, I was told um, as I get ready to come on the air the last couple of weeks, hey, remember, this is not a sports show, Jerry. And you get this sports background, so don't hit on it too much. But I got to thinking last night a little bit, and I want to get your take on this as well. I'm Jerry Schimmel filling in today on SoCal Live here on KKLA. My background is in sports. I spent 20 years as a play-by-play guy in the NBA, 10 in Major League Baseball. Love sports. I always have. Played college baseball and all that. But after it got away from the broadcast of sports for a couple of years, I started thinking about the idea that maybe we're overemphasizing sports just a little bit in our society today. What do you think about that? Does America put too much emphasis on sports? And I say that because I pick up the paper this morning and I see the ratings for those AFC and NFC championship games yesterday were uh, out of, they were through the roof. They were the highest in, in television history. I look at the average salaries in the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and I see millions upon millions. I see headlines today, whether it's in the sports section or not, Football, the uh, Super Bowl coming up in two weeks. Sports, sports, sports. Question for you is, does America put too much emphasis on sports? And let me preface by saying this. Number one, I'm a, my background is in sports. But secondly, the Bible says that anything that takes away our disciplined attention to God can lead potentially to be something unhealthy. If we have idols that take the place of God, we might not be committed like we should be. And idols, I know some people, are sports for some people. Others not. They just like it. It's a nice distraction. And uh, it's it, it's very healthy. It's just fine. I think that's the way most people are. But my question to you is this. Does America put too, um, too much emphasis on sports? The number again, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Answer that question for me. If you're a sports fan out there and you think maybe that is the case, Chime in. Give me your thoughts on that. Let me throw a couple things at you. I looked at the average salaries in the three major sports. Didn't include the NHL. The lowest is NFL football. It's four point one million dollars is the average salary. Rookie contract is six hundred ten. So if you are a rookie undrafted, you're going to make at least six hundred ten thousand dollars in one season. The highest paid player, Patrick Mahomes, at forty five million dollars. In Major League Baseball, $4.3 million is the average salary. The rookie contract is $685,000. The highest paid player, Trevor Bauer, at $40.5 million. In the NBA, it goes up even higher. The average salary in the NBA, $7.7 million. Rookie scale is $865,000. Highest paid player, Steph Curry, $46 million a season. We put too much emphasis on sports. That's the question I want to pose to you guys right now. Um, 
And again, I say that with a sports background, and I say that as looking at sports for me, it's just a great outlet. I, I love watching those games on TV. They're competitive. They're just fun to watch. My wife's a Chiefs fan. She's depressed this morning. Um, all that kind of stuff. I think it, it can be healthy, but it can also be damaging. It becomes our idol. What do you think? Let's go back to phone. 888-LA-TALKS, and let's hook up with uh, David in Culver City. What do you think, David? Well, two, uh, you know, two things. You, you made a comment about the salaries. I mean, these uh, the players bringing so many millions of dollars to the owners and to the cities. I don't think they're un, I don't think they're overpaid. But that wasn't my main point. The thing that really strikes me as sacrilegious and idolatrous is praying to God for the outcome of a sports contest, of mm. invoking God at sporting contests. Yeah. I think to me. That's idolatrous. I mean, the fact that God would be involved in the outcome of a sporting contest, I mean, to me, that's sacrilegious. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I struggle with that myself, and you see so many players do it. You, you look at that a guy hits a home run, touches home plate, and he's got that signal to heaven, uh, catches a touchdown pass, whatever that might be. That does bother a lot of people. I, I, I've talked to some athletes about that, by the way, and the the general consensus is um, I'm thanking God for the ability he's given me to play this game and to perform for him. Now, that's not across the board. I, I know that's not across the board in terms of why people do this. But I, I can I can tell you this. After being in the NBA for that time and Major League Baseball that, for that time, David, that's what a lot of guys say. Charlie Blackman with the Rockies is a perfect example. He's, he, he's got that signal when he touches home plate after a home run. It's like, I'm thanking God for the talent he's given me, and I just it's a reminder for me to use that talent to uh, bring him glory. Does that make sense to you? Oh, I, no, I have no doubt they have rationalizations for it. It just strikes me as a total misunderstanding of God and of religion. Yeah. Personal God to thank for hitting a home run. Seriously. It's just sacrilegious. Now, you know, I, I like I said, I have no doubt they're sincere in their beliefs that they can ask God for these personal favors, but I, I think it's sacrilegious. It diminishes God. Yeah. When God says, uh, when the Bible says, um, all things happen for the good to those who love the Lord, um, how does that play in? And, and 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 if you're still on the line, David, I'd love to get your take on that because I think you've got the, the, the right perspective on this. When the Bible says all things happen for the good to those who love the Lord. So if you catch a touchdown pass or you hit a home run or you uh, hit a three-pointer to win a ball game and give praise to God, isn't that part of God's plan? I don't think so. I don't think God cares about sports at all. <laughs> Yeah, well, that very much I mean, could be the case. Sports. I love sports. I really do. I love sports. But I don't think God cares about sports. God care. We're supposed to glorify God's name. Yeah. I don't think it glorifies God's name when you hit a home run. I mean, there are actions, faith, hope, charity, good deeds. But hitting a home run does not glorify God's name. Hmm. I got you. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, and I think people are probably, there are many people across the board who think the same way you do, and many people in sports, and the media in sports as well, think that way. It's, hey, keep that to yourself. And that's sort of the, the, uh, I don't know, the, the, the vibe I get from a lot of people is, hey, when you see these people point to heaven, 
that are on the field or on the court or on the football field. Hey, let's just let's save that for another day. I get what some of the athletes are getting at. They're trying to give glory to God. I think some of them might be a little bit deceived by that. I think you make a good point. Uh, again, do we put too much much emphasis on sports? And I throw those numbers out there: the average salaries, the high salaries, uh, the forty five million dollars, the forty one million dollars. I throw that out there because. Uh, that goes along with the emphasis we put on sports. Hey, these people are wealthy. They're extremely talented. I'm going to worship them. They're, they're my idol. I, I want to be like them. I wish I could make that kind of money. That's just incredible. And sometimes I think we get caught up in that. I think especially young people, uh, they think, all right, if I can be that athlete, I can make all that money and I can be like them. And by the world would just revolve around me. And I've seen so many athletes over the years that have come into the leagues, NBA, Major League Baseball, thinking that thing, and then their their life and their world just gets shattered because it doesn't happen that way. And they make some money, and they spend the money, and then they're spending the rest of their lives trying to figure out what they're supposed to do. And it goes back to uh, my youth, and, and I've talked to some of these guys, uh, and they say, it's my youth. I just put too much emphasis on trying to be uh, the next – you know Tom Brady or somebody, and it, and it didn't work out, and I don't know where to turn. So that's that's what I'm getting at with a lot of this. We put too much emphasis on sports, and it it steers people in the wrong direction. Again, and not everybody, certainly not across the board. There are there are millions of Americans out there. I get this that think, all right, this is just a great outlet for me. I played the game in high school. I played little league baseball. I love the game. I just I like to watch it. I like the competition. Let's see let let's see who's the the best team, that who the best players are, and I just get a kick out of that. That's where I I'm at. I think it's where a lot of people are, but I think some people might put a little too much emphasis on it and then they get in trouble that way. I want to get your thoughts on that. Again the number is eight 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 LA Talks eight 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 Five two eight two five five seven, and I think it's a it's a worthwhile discussion because of what's happening now with the Super Bowl coming up. And all you L.A. Rams fans out there, by the way, if if there are some of those, I'm sure there are listening uh, this broadcast. And uh, and some of the people I know in Southern California and the San Diego area, your your Chargers, whom you might still love, have moved to L.A. So maybe you're not loving them anymore, but still care about them and the game they got. Knocked out, of course, and didn't make uh, make it to where a lot of people thought they should. So just getting your thoughts on whether you think we put too much emphasis on sports. And I can uh, give you a lot of stories about that. A lot of people who um, now getting into betting and think, all right, I've got these sports figured out, and I'm going to bet on them. I'm going to make a lot of money, and off we go. And it just doesn't work that way. And I'll, I'll share a story with you <laughs> about betting, and, and you can take this any way you want, but – this was, gosh, probably 15 or 20 years ago. I'm doing the Denver Nuggets games on the radio, middle of a season, and it was before legalized gambling. And I thought, all right, you know what? I've got this team figured out. I know when the Nuggets are going to win a game or they're going to lose a game. We're going on the road, and we're playing San Antonio. We're going to get our butts kicked. And I just, I just felt like halfway through this one season, I had this team figured out. So I thought, you know what? On my own, not through a bookie, not anything illegal, not – wagering any money, but on my own, I was just going to put down a bet and write it down and see if I won or not and see where I got. You know, I did end up losing <laughs> about 65% of the games. I'm serious. I thought I had this team figured out, and I'm there right with them. I'm I'm living with them. I'm traveling with them in the same hotel, same bus. I thought I got these guys figured out, and I was way off. And 
it just it taught me a lesson that you're never going to be able to figure things out. The Las Vegas odds are the Las Vegas odds for a reason. They've got you beat most of the time. And I got a friend who's who uh, is doing the the online betting now in Colorado, and he's funny because he bets one dollar a game, which I think is really healthy, just to see where it takes him. And he's down about twenty bucks, so he's lost twenty times. Uh, it's just it 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 just reinforces the idea that. It's it's hard to figure sports out, and about the time you think they have you have them figured out, something goes goes wrong with it, and they backfire on you, and you're not going to win that money. Uh, and do you know anybody, by the way, that is winning betting on sports consistently? There are very few out there. That's why you see these enormous casinos <laughs> because they make a lot of money. Uh, I remember this story too, as I was looking um, at. Uh, public companies many years ago, and the parent company for Holiday Inn, this is, boy, this is way back 20-plus years ago, parent company for Holiday Inn, couldn't even tell you who it is. I was looking at their uh, finance report one night, and I saw that they had made a quarter of their profit from one hotel, and they had, I think at the time, they had about 2,700 hotels. They're making 25% of their profit from one hotel, and it was their casino. I don't even know which one it was, a casino in Las Vegas. I thought, oh, my gosh, casinos are making it rich, and that is the case. Walk through Las Vegas, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, get your take on it. 888-LA-TALKS is our number, 888-528-2557. The emphasis we put on sports, is it too much? Is it becoming our idol? And what do you think? Because I think our caller brought up a good point, David in Culver City, saying, you know what, a little bothered by the athletes who point to heaven and want to glorify God through certain actions on the court or the field, football field, the baseball field. Your thoughts on that as well. I, I think, personally, it's all right because I've talked to guys. I know their motivation, and it is, you know, I'm just trying to, to glorify God. And if I can do that, I'll put my hands in the air when I cross home plate. Let's go back to phone, and let's go to Daniel in Los Angeles. Daniel, are up on SoCal Live. Thanks for calling. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Doing great, Daniel. That's good. I'll make this quick. I know you guys have other callers. It's. Uh, I just wanted to point out that there is something with the sports. They seem to have um, a level of where they get away with more than anything else. Case in point, there are a lot of people not wearing masks. Yep. Yet the news and media says how many cases we have and whatnot. Um, it just seems like, you know, and you have our, you know, our mayors, our governors saying mask up, do this, Fauci, but yet at these bits where it seems to be like, uh, it's okay, you don't have to. Right. And so it just goes to the point of like saying that they don't hold certain things in place. You talking about athletes? Uh, no, just not athletes per se, but just, uh, the events themselves, which yeah. comes with the sports events. Yeah. They hold it in very high esteem. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yep. So it, it, that's all. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate the call. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, number again is 888 LA Talks. We're talking about sports, emphasis on sports. Too much, too little pointing toward the sky when you do something big on the field. What do you think about that? Again, 888 LA Talks is our number. And let's go back to the telephone and speak with Ray. He's calling from San Clemente. Ray, you're on SoCal Live with Jerry Schemmel. Thanks for calling. 
Hi there, yes. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you bet. So I was mentioning that I'm originally from South America, small town, Ecuador in South America. And, mm-hmm. of course, we didn't have as much money in sports, but many of the soccer players um, make pretty good money with that. That part of the American dream is actually coming over and one day being able to be close to the Super Bowl game, like mm-hmm. in L.A. in two weeks. <laughs> mm, yep. But uh, I said, yeah, I believe there is a little bit too much emphasis, a little bit too much money in sports. And yet, I just absolutely love it. It's something I would have been able to have in my country. So I absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And, and that's where I'm at as well. I just think if you make it healthy, it can be a healthy part of your life. It's If, if you don't make it an icon, if you don't put it up on a, or, uh, athletes on a pedestal, I think you're going to be okay. But if you enjoy watching soccer or watching playoff football, nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah, right, right. And actually... I had the uh, uh, the luxury of meeting uh, Frank Pastore, a pastor that actually was a baseball player, and his dream was shattered by a fastball that came back and shattered his throwing mm. elbow. So his uh, baseball career was actually um, um, finished. But I took my son to meet him in a book signing, and he was so humble, so nice. Uh, this was after, of course, his dream was shattered of baseball. But again, uh, he always told how he would uh, uh, basically share the Lord with the people that, that were in his baseball team. So it was kind of nice. Yeah, I got you. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate their perspective there. And that's kind of where I think a lot of people are right now is that, you know what, let's let's make it a healthy thing. Let's just enjoy turning the TV on and watching a great football game like we saw last weekend and this past weekend. Just a, a lot of fun to watch and, and cheer for your team. Nothing wrong with that. I think when you start, like I said, putting athletes on that pedestal, you might get uh, it might get a little out of hand. I hope you guys can tune in tomorrow because tomorrow we have an interesting guest, Napoleon Kaufman. Remember that name? If you're a sports fan, NFL fan, you probably know that name. Napoleon Kaufman has a fascinating story about becoming a Christian. He was an all-pro for the Oakland Raiders, now Los Angeles, or Las Vegas Raiders, but an all-pro running back. He was in his sixth season, I think he was 30, 29 or 30 years of age, in the prime of his career. He's poised to, to sign about a $50 million contract as a free agent, and he walked away from the game. And we're going to talk to Napoleon Kaufman about that tomorrow on the show, and it's a fascinating story. And he tells a story, and you'll hear it tomorrow if you tune in, but he says, you know, I, I'm at a football game. I'm at home uh, in a home game. Oakland is playing, I think it was Denver, the Broncos, and he said the game was over. The Raiders won. I had a big game. I think I had 150-some yards. I looked up in the crowd and I thought, there are, looking at me, 65,000 lost people. And that just forced him in his mind to walk away from the game. And now he's a pastor, started his own church in Northern California, and is thriving, and he's speaking all over the world and talking about the gospel. But he walked away from, he believes, at least $50 million. And I asked him, I said, were there people trying to talk you out of it? He said, my agent called me every single day and said, what are you doing? And he said, other teams after I retire would call and say, what did Al Davis do to you? <laughs> Why are you retiring? He's like, no, I want to follow God's call. And I think I am putting too much emphasis on being an athlete and too many people are putting me on a pedestal. 
And it's like I said, a, a tremendous story, and we'll share it tomorrow on the show. I think in the second hour tomorrow we'll talk about Napoleon Kaufman, but just goes to show that maybe there are even athletes out there that think the rest of us are putting too much emphasis on sports. Isn't that interesting? All right, we're going to take a break here in a moment. When we come back, we're going to hook up with a man that I think you will be interested in hearing his story. As I'm sure you're aware, Russia is in the news these days. Russia has apparently been building up forces near Ukraine while pressing the U.S. and other countries for security guarantees. The situation looks to be in sort of a holding pattern at the moment. And I want to share a fascinating story about a man who had his life completely changed after a trip to Russia. His experience there was the inspiration of one of the largest humanitarian relief operations in the world. You probably know, maybe you're in this group as well, like I am, that had a trip that you went on change your life. I've I've had two of those. I went to Haiti, and that completely changed my life. I went in 2014, so four years after the earthquake. And if you've ever been to Haiti, post-earthquake, folks, it is ten times worse than the pictures show. And it still is that way. And I took my wife and my kids over there, and we we visited an orphanage, and we did some, some uh, humanitarian stuff with some of the people in Port-au-Prince, and it really kind of changed the lives of myself, my wife, and my kids. We also took a missionary trip to Mexico, which was another great story that really impacted my son a lot, my 22-year-old son. But this man had a trip to Russia, of all places, that completely changed his life. His name is Ray Wilkie. We'll talk about him and with him in a moment. Stay with us. This is SoCal Live. Hey, folks, welcome back to SoCal Live. I'm Jerry Schimmel, your guest host today. We've got another oh, 45 minutes or so to go here. I'm with you tomorrow as well from 3 to 5 on SoCal Live, and uh, just thrilled that I could do this. Been in radio a long time, never done any Christian radio, wanted to for a long time, and here I am and just having a great time, having a blast. All right, let's switch gears a little bit here. As I'm sure you are aware, Russia is in the news. Russia recently has been building up forces near Ukraine for various reasons. I tried to figure out why. There are about four or five of those that uh, people are speculating with. But anyway, they're pressing the U.S. and other countries for security guarantees. The situation right now, at least today, looks to be in sort of a holding pattern. But I want to share a fascinating story about a man who had his life completely changed after a trip to Russia. His experience was the inspiration of one of the largest Christian-based humanitarian relief operations in the world. Here's a little background. I created a show a few years ago called Amazing Americans, where I interview highly uplifting and motivating people and have them tell their great stories. The show started out with anyone as a guest from any walk of life, and then we decided for various reasons to feature only folks, uh, folks from the sports world. The shows are all pre-recorded, so we made the switch to sports people only and a handful of interviews of people who were not in sports but had these incredibly inspiring stories, and I haven't been able to share them. They never made the air, and they were never on a radio network. And one of those people who never made it on the radio back then, I want to share with you today. I want to share at least part of his story. Chances are you've never heard of a Christian charity called Orphan Grain Train. Interesting uh, title, huh? Orphan Grain Train. 
Orphan Grand Train was started by a church pastor in a small town in Nebraska, Norfolk, Nebraska. I've been there many times. I'm sure most of you have not. Maybe you've heard of North Norfolk, Nebraska. It's the hometown of the late Johnny Carson, a longtime host of the Tonight Show on NBC. Ray Wilkie was a Lutheran pastor in Norfolk, Nebraska, and he took to a trip to Russia with his wife and was so moved by the horrible plight of the people he experienced there that he created a Christ-centered humanitarian effort, which he interestingly called Orphan Grain Train. I had a chance to talk to Ray Wilkie. I want to play some clips for you from this fascinating man. First question I asked him was, why of all places, Russia? We went there. My wife and I went there because our local Northeast Community College wanted to get some foreign students to come here. Mm to broaden the perspective of the existing students. They asked, since I'd been a missionary in the Philippines for for seven years, from 70 to 78, if I could find some Filipino students. I thought so. Then I was going out the door. They asked, could you possibly find some Russian students? So I called a fellow who was home on furlough from Latvia if he could find some Russian students. He said, no, if you want to do that, you'd have to come here. My wife was eating breakfast, and I said, do you want to go to Latvia and Russia? And she <laughs> said, let's finish breakfast first, and then we'll go. But we did. <laughs> and it was an adventure that changed our lives, mm-hmm. and I hope has changed a good number of other lives as well. Mm. Did you get close to those Latvian people? I know you probably weren't there a long time, Ray, but I would imagine you got pretty close to people because you were affected so deeply by their situation there. We ate meat together. Mm. We sat with them. Mm. We talked with them with translators, some of them in German, and some, unexpectedly, were very fluent in English. Mm. So we could get the feel. But in order to get the feel... It would just tell a story or two. Um, We were helping a woman fix up her house who had come back from Siberia. She was about 80. And she told of the night that the the Lenin train backed into her village. It was a cattle car, a cattle train, and loaded the entire village into the cattle train in their nightwear with guns. Mm. They took them over the Ural Mountains on the way to Siberia. And as they reached the pinnacle of the Ural Mountains, the train slowed because of the slope. And they pushed out the dead. Mm. And one of the dead was her husband. And the wolves had long since learned that when the train slowed, there would be fresh meat available. And she listened to the wolves howl and then tear at the bodies that were left alongside the track. And by this time, there are tears falling on my shoes, and the woman is sobbing at the memory of it. Mm. Mm. Such was the, the trauma, the absolute mind-searing awfulness of Siberia. Mm. She was there for 50 years. Wow. And I was there myself. On a particular morning, we had a church service, 
A good part of the women, women had walked eight kilometers through 18 inches of snow to gather in a house for a worship service. There were 311 people in the house, and nine of them were men. The men had been lost in the war, and the women were absolutely determined to worship. They had written from memory parts of the Bible and parts of the hymn book on scraps of paper, and from that we worshiped. There was water running down the walls. So congested were the people. When it was over, they decided to come back in the afternoon and pray to the Lord for relief. We were there three weeks. Three weeks. And when I got home, I kissed my refrigerator. (laughs) I kissed my bathroom. I kissed my bed. Mm -hmm. I kissed my house. And I was never so grateful for how we have it in this country Mm. compared to how that entire country of 11 time zones Mm. has had to struggle for 70 years. Mm. Now, that began our thinking about what in the world could come of this. You heard Ray Wilkie talk about his trip to Russia. My next question was to Ray, or one of them anyway, all right, to come back from Russia, how does this thing get started? What is your call to action? I had a pretty good car, and I left Norfolk and drove to five other states, new congregations, whom I knew were zealous for God and just told the story, sometimes in tears and sometimes not. Mm. And told it in ways that I think seemed pretty real to them. And when I got home, I looked, I had $6,000 in my pocket of people who wanted to do something. Wow. I gave a talk at a local gathering, and one of the persons there, Dale Pint, said, you should go to Grand Island and talk. That was a gathering of a group that was called at that time the Lutheran Layman's League. They sponsored the Lutheran Hour on the radio. Mm-hmm. So I talked with them about what I saw, just what I saw, what I felt, And they said, you need to come to St. Louis. So I went to St. Louis. It's 59 minutes from Omaha. And I just told the folks there who operate Lutheran Hour what I saw, what I heard, what I felt. And they said, you should be one of our projects. Well, that's what happened, and that's how Orphan Grain Train Mm -hmm got a worldwide dimension because Mm. Lutheran Hour Ministries does projects all over the world. Mm. And we were just a local outfit here in Norfolk, Nebraska that had no exposure. So they took us on as a project, but they objected to the name that I'd chosen. Orphan Grain Train, they said, what in the world does that mean? (laughs) So I said, John 14, 18 describes Jesus at the Last Supper, in which he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
I thought about that for a long time. I looked up the word orphan in Greek, and it means without resources, mm. destitute, mm. no parents, no grandparents, no food, no shelter, no house, and no reason for optimism or hope. Mm. Orphan, what can we do? We're going to provide provision. And food is one of our our main resources that we provide all over the world. We go to 69 countries. And food is the thing most needed, most desired. When I was a missionary, I buried a lot, more than I want to remember, children under five, because half the people born in the Philippines do not celebrate their fifth birthday. Mm. They die from malnutrition, upper respiratory disease. So grain was going to be the provision, orphan was the status, and train was going to be the delivery system. And so it became Orphan Grain Train. Hmm. A lot of people thought that was a crazy name, <laughs> but, but it turned out to be pretty, pretty precise in describing what we do. I thought the same thing when I read that orphan grain train. All right, Ray, Ray Wilkie starts orphan grain train. It explodes, folks. They start sending thousands of truckloads across America to uh, foreign countries. As he said, sixty-nine countries. I think they're in thirty-seven states now. Food, medical supplies, clothing, humanitarian outreach. I asked him this question as well. Most memorable experience in the U.S. Well, my strongest impression is what we did during Katrina Mm. in 95. Okay. So before we went, we always asked the question of those in response, responsible, what do you need? What can we do that's useful? One of the answers that came back was, we would like a kitchen trailer that could feed 2,000 people a day. So I went to St. Louis, where they built such a thing, and the price they had on it was $619,000. It was stainless steel and absolutely lovely. Mm. So I looked it over pretty good. Then I saw five of them sitting in Sioux City, Iowa, that were stainless steel inside, and they were hanging meat haulers Mm. when they still hauled meat the carcass hanging from a rail. So I called up Arkansas, Tyson headquarters, and I said, told them what we're going to do. We're going to make a kitchen trailer. Would they give us one of those trailers? He said, go over and take your pick. So I went over to Sioux City, hitched on, picked picked up the best one, (laughs) brought it here, and for $74,000, built it into a kitchen that would handle 2,500 people a day. And we went down there and served them for five years. All right. He starts Orphan Grain Train. They're all over the country. They're in 69 countries as well. They have started in 1992, 56,000 truckloads just in the United States and 37 countries. Orphan Grain Train has taken food, medical supplies, and clothing. Final question for him this interview was, the focus today for Orphan Grain Train? Right now, one of our, one of our really important projects is a project called Mercy Meals. Mm-hmm in which we are inventing a kind of a robot thing that will mix and package 
uh, an entire nutritious packet that will feed five meals. I was in the Philippines when I watched these children die from malnutrition. Malnutrition doesn't come from a full belly or an empty one. It comes from absence of protein. Mm. And so in our Mercy Meals packet, we can cause little children to thrive right after they complete nursing. And of course, in third world countries, children are often replaced at the breast at less than a year. Mm. Because families think they need 10 kids because only five survive, and perhaps two of those will be sons to provide for them in their old age. Mm. So it's not uncommon for them to have a a child every year. Mm. Our objective is to feed these kids, and it turns out that these Mercy Meals packets can cause old duffers like us to stay alive too. (laughs) So we have distributed 5 million of those last year, and we are gearing up now to distribute 10 million in this year. Hmm. And so we're having to uh, develop a system that can actually manufacture these without having a lot of people have to do it. Folks, there are so many great Christian organizations out there that do work like this. This is certainly one of them. It's a 401k, a 401k, a 501c3 organization based in in Nebraska, in Norfolk, Nebraska. If you want to check them out, Ray Wilkie is executive director of Orphan Grain Train, OGT.org, OGT.org. Take another break here. When we come back, we're going to do something that's kind of fun. I've done this on some other shows, and we're going to call this the Conqueror of the day based on Romans 8, 8 uh, 35, and that is who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So I'm going to take nominations right now. If you want to call in 888 LA Talks for your conqueror of the day. Someone in your life that is a conqueror, someone who is especially brave or has overcome great odds, who has beaten an addiction perhaps or dedicated to helping others, does great volunteer work, or maybe just some terrific spouse or a generous friend, someone you highly recommend or admire, call in and we'll take your call for the conqueror of the day. We'll do that next on on SoCal Live. got a few minutes left here on socal live i'm jerry schimmel guest host today i'll be here the rest of this uh segment another seven or eight minutes then with you tomorrow for a couple hours as well thrilled to be here and uh love taking your calls and we'd like you to chime in if you could we might be a little pressed for time but if you want to chime in and tell us about your conqueror in your life please do 888-LA-TALKS who shall separate us from the love of christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8.35. If you have a conqueror in your life, someone that you respect, that has done wonderful things in your mind, tell us about that. I want to hear from you. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Let me throw a couple out there, and maybe we'll I'll get you going this way. I've got a couple. Uh, One is a woman uh, I also interviewed on my radio show, Renee Napier. may have heard that name. 
Great story. She lost her 18-year-old daughter in a car accident caused by a drunk driver. She not only forgave the drunk driver, but helped reduce his sentence if he got out of prison early so that the two of them could speak together at schools and other public functions about the dangers of drunk driving. She's given presentations with the man who killed her daughter. Now that is a conqueror. Got a friend in Denver who was a head pastor at a church, bursting at the seams in Aurora, Colorado, a suburb of Denver, and highly successful. People, every service, were knocking the doors down to get in to listen to him. Incredible teacher, incredible preacher. His sermons were to die for. And he got burned out with that. They decided after six years as pastor of this mega church in Denver, Colorado, that he was going to do something different. And he bought. He and his wife uh, raised some money, bought a motel in the absolute, folks, worst part of Denver, Colorado, East Colfax, where the crime rate is unbelievable. And just walking down the street in front of his motel, you won't believe what you can see. Cop cars all day long, sirens all day long, drug deals being made, people passed out. Home. It, it's the worst part of Denver, and I'm not exaggerating whatsoever. He bought a motel there. And he's in the process of fixing it up, and it's going to be a refuge for those people. He's going to try to serve the poorest people in Denver, and he and his wife are living there. They're living there among those people. Now, that is a conqueror. If you have one in your life, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-LA-TALKS. Tell us about your conqueror. We had a couple calls earlier uh, talking about some World War II vets that some of our listeners uh, really wanted to share, and they did. It was a great a couple of great stories, and I told the one about my dad. And those guys are conquerors, too, in a different way. If you have someone in your life, you just like to – maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's it's a parent. You want to brag about a little bit. We also had one of those earlier when uh, Luke Zamperini was bragging about his dad and what a great father he was, this great war hero and famous person, but just a wonderful dad. There's somebody in your life like that that you think is a conqueror, and looking at Romans 835, that could be about anybody, give us a call. I want to hear that story. Again, that number is 888-528-2557. Again, as I said, I'll be with you tomorrow, and we'll look at the news again tomorrow and see what might be out there and examine the news and the issues of the day from that Christian's perspective. I mentioned this earlier that uh, we will also talk with and get uh, cuts like we did with Ray Wilkie today about Orphan Grain Train from a former uh, professional football player, Napoleon Kaufman, who has this incredible story. Uh, it, th- this story is going to you might know this story, but when you hear it firsthand from Napoleon Kaufman, I promise you're going to be blown away by it. He talks about, and I won't give the whole story away, but I'm so looking forward to having you hear it tomorrow. And he's hard to get, by the way. He's hard to, to get as a media member uh, to talk. And he, he gave us a 40-minute uh, talk a couple of weeks ago. And it, it, he was on the practice field, and a teammate of his with the Raiders and he was, he was messing around with some other rookies, and they were joking and throwing the football around and swearing and talking about women and all this. And this guy comes up to him and says, God has a plan for your life, and it doesn't include what you're doing right now. And he got very defensive, Napoleon Kaufman did, got very defensive and said, who are you to get in my face? I'm a first-round draft pick. I'm an all-pro. I'm going to be a stud. And, all that kind of, and you know, I'm a multimillionaire already. I haven't played a game yet. And he was very taken back, very offended by that. He goes back, this is in training camp, to his dorm room. I forget where they're, somewhere in L.A., I think Thousand Oaks maybe. I can't remember. Anyway, um, goes back to his dorm room and can't get that voice out of his head. 
God's got a plan for your life, and it doesn't include what you're doing with it right now. And he just he, he, and he woke up at night, and he had that going through his head, and he couldn't get it out of his head. And he went back to this player and said, what are you talking about? I, I need to learn more about what you mean by this. And so after a couple meetings with this teammate, he sat down. His teammate told him about the gospel. And he accepted right there in a dorm room Christ in his life and was never the same. He was so opposite the person that he was before that moment. And he shares that story. And then we fast forward six years, and he talks about how he walked away from football and left all these tens of millions of dollars on the table. That's Napoleon Kaufman. That's coming up tomorrow. And, folks, I can't wait for you to hear that story. Um, I've gotten a couple of texts from people that I know they are listening in the Southern uh, California region right now talking about my interview with Ray Wilkie and how inspired they were about that. And uh, a couple of them uh, sent me some uh, smiling emojis because they thought Ray was a pretty good entertainer, and he certainly is that. I think Ray, by the way, is 84 or 80. He might be 85 now, and he's still going strong. He is still the executive director and president of Orphan Grain Train. And again, if you want to check that out, someone asked me if they throw the website out there again, an easy one, OGT.org, OGT.org. I looked this up during the break. 57,000 40-foot crates have been sent overseas to 69 different countries. We're talking about food, medical supplies, and clothing. And 56,000 truckloads have been sent to 37 different states in the United States, humanitarian relief, food, medical supplies, clothing. They have some other things they do as well, temporary housing for people uh, that are out of homes after floods or tornadoes or earthquakes, whatever it might be. And um, they provide all that. uh, And it's such a funny name, Orphan Grain Train. But check them out. And Ray and I, we didn't talk about it, didn't give you the clip here, but Ray and I talked a lot about how the volunteers and their, I think there's only four full-time people at Orphan Grain Train, how the volunteers they rely on are so integral in their success and how they are affected, how the the volunteers are affected. Their lives are changed by volunteering, and many of them go on the trips to these different countries and different uh, states and cities with the humanitarian relief efforts. They help deliver the goods, and their lives are changed because of it. And it just got me thinking about this as well. Uh, there's an old Chinese uh, Chinese adage that says, if you want to, how does that go now? If you want to ease your own burden, carry someone else's. That's what volunteering does. And Ray got into that and, and got so emotional about it. Again, we didn't have you hear it, but he got so emotional about how his organization has affected volunteers and changed their lives for the good, and many of them become Christians as a result. Hey, folks, it's been a blast. Thank you for uh, tuning in today. I'll do the same thing tomorrow. I'm Jerry Schimmel. Can't wait for tomorrow again. And uh, as well, coming up, a new beginning with Greg Laurie right here on KKLA. Thanks for tuning in to SoCal Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.